0: Thank you so much for joining us here today. My name is Pastor Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. And I got a story for you. In 1857, a man named Joseph Gayetti invented a product that he thought would change the world. He was so proud of this product, in fact, that every piece that came in the package had his name stamped right on it. And as the years went by, many people set to improve upon this product. In the 1890s, two brothers changed this product into what we see today, at least in some form. Many hands went into reshaping this, but I've got to tell you something, even the greatest things in the world, the greatest inventions, the greatest things in life, they are going to bring opposition, and opposition this product did bring. And not just in the marketplace, not just company to company arguing over and trying to one up each other, but in in the household. In the house, this product has brought opposition. And some of you are very zealous over the way that this product actually finds its resting place. So I've got to ask you this. Are you a over the top? or a down below type of person. And if you really take that seriously, if you really take which way your toilet paper rolls, (laughs) then this is your arch enemy right here, that person. (laughs) It's nice on top. And I tell you right now, if you're this person, you are my wife's enemy, my sweet wife's enemy. On a side note, in 1930, the first company was finally able to market their product as splinter free. So think about that every time you're, you're feeling a little ungrateful. <laughs> Opposition is everywhere. It's in the best things in life, within your families, your friendships, your workplaces, your relationship with God and living out the purpose he has put on your life. Opposition in fact comes in the form of a suitcase full of tamales that my wife's stepmother brought right when I'm starting my new year's diet. And then two days later, she doubles down with homemade taquitos. And let me tell you, I failed. I have failed overcoming that opposition. And things things are no different throughout history in biblical times. And right now we are right in the middle of the book of Ezra in our Restore series. And Kent has done a, a marvelous job the last few weeks of outlining this playbook of restoration that we can take and we can live out in our lives. And the people of Israel have just spent 70 years in exile, in self-inflicted exile. And then King Cyrus, finally prompted by God, allows a group of them to come back, led by Zerubbabel. And in that, in this book, we see chapter 1, where we see the people of God finally returning to God. That's the first, first step in restoration, is the people of God turned to God. And then they reclaimed their identity in God in chapter two. And in chapter three, they finally started the rebuilding process and they finished the foundation of the temple. But with all good things, opposition does come and that's where we're at right now. Chapter four, expect opposition. And we see as the Israelites begin to build the temple, to begin to build up their walls, the enemies around them already start. The opposition already comes in 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 verse one of chapter four. And it says, the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, yeah. And the leaders and said, let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do. And let me tell you, the opposition has a very small and very simple playbook. There's not much in there, but what they do have in there, they, they play over and over and over. And right out the gate, we see the very first tactic of the enemy, and that is to get you off course. Because if your opposition can get you off course even one degree, then miles and miles down the road, you were going to be way off course and nowhere near where you're meant to be. And we know that the enemies did not have a good plan. And in fact, yes, they did worship God, but they worshiped God as one of many gods. They had tons of gods that they worshiped. And the people of Israel knew that that could not come into the temple. In fact, that's part of why they went into exile to begin with, because their hearts were divided from God. But the leaders at the time saw this coming and they were able to push the opposition to the side in verse three and stay on course. But Zerubbabel and Yeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, you may do nothing with us, to build our, a house for our God. But we alone will build the Lord God of Israel as, the king, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. And the enemy doesn't stop there. And it, the opposition will never stop coming. Because in verse 4, we see the second and third tactics played out. Verse 4 says, Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work and discourage literally means to weaken hands or to keep people from their purpose and frighten that seems to be the play the, the tactic that's used most by the opposition by the enemy is fear 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 and then tactic 4 comes in verse 5 they bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. My plans were to eat healthy, but a suitcase of tamales frustrated those plans. Seriously, opposition, the enemy, and life will always have a way to frustrate your plans. (laughs) Lastly, opposition misrepresents your intentions. The enemies around Israel, those that didn't want them to complete. Finally, after all this had failed, they wrote a letter to King Artaxerxes. And in that letter, they described how if Israel was allowed to finish their building, then Israel would then rise up against them and not pay tribute and not do those things that Israel said they were gonna do because they would be too strong. And Artaxerxes believed this and he sent back a letter wanting the restoration Process stopped. And verse 23 says this When the letter from King Artaxerxes was read to Raham and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem. Then, with a show of strength, fear again, show of strength, they forced the Jews to stop building. Then it happens. The people of Israel met their breaking point. Verse 24, so the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. Like me and the plate of tamales, Israel has failed. But how? How can a people sense... On a mission from God, one that was actually prophesied years before, just stop. How can a people that are so clearly on a purpose with so much good that will come from their work just stop? Because time and time and time again, the people of Israel, when their hearts and minds are with God, nothing can stop them. During this time, there's two prophets during the time of restoration, Haggai and Zechariah. And Zechariah actually gives us, there's the book book of Haggai, I'm sorry. Haggai actually gives us a little more insight to what is really going on. This opposition isn't just coming from outside forces. This opposition is actually also coming from inside forces and Haggai chapter 1 verse 2 says this. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying. So God says, that you are saying, the people. The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The king said we can't. He said to stop. The people around us, they're mean. They say bad things about us. It's just too hard. It's too hard, right? Verse 3, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Look at what happened to you. You have planted much But harvested little. Why are you doing your own thing? You've done all this work, you've worked hard, you've built your houses, but your labor is fruitless. There's nothing coming from it because it is centered around you. And for 16 years, 16 years, the temple of God laid in ruins. beautiful thing with this is Nehemiah, which Ken, Ken has covered. Ezra and Nehemiah used to be one book. And then at some point they were separated. But it is one continuous story of rest, restoring the city of Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah, we see things play out differently. We see things play out much differently. Because in Nehemiah, we have a leader who is on task whose heart is with God and who is driven to live out the purpose in which they were sent there for and as the people around them as the opposition came and gave them tactic after tactic frustrations and fears and discouragement as they kept on and kept on and kept on Nehemiah had an answer. And as we get to the end, as the walls are finally starting to rebuild, you got to imagine, they're building the walls. Nehemiah is building the walls around the city. So as they're doing their work, a lot of that work is done on a ladder. So we see in chapter 6, verse 3, an amazing answer that Nehemiah gives, and the reason why he's able to push and push and push. And as the work is nearing its completion, and as the enemies and the opposition, as they're getting desperate to stop them, they start sending for a meeting with Nehemiah because they have some bad intentions with him, some bad plans laid out for if they can get Nehemiah to come with them because they know if they can stop Nehemiah, they can stop everything. And so as they come and they invite him again, Nehemiah is standing on his ladder doing his work through this process with his tools and his abilities. And he says this, verse 6, chapter 3, I am doing a great work here. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? And that is, that, is a, that is a verse, that is a, a passage that I have held with me for a long time. Because no matter what happens in life, if you are able to face opposition with that mindset, I am doing a great work here. Why should the work stop? If you can keep that mindset, it changes things. And the great thing is, on top of Nehemiah's ladder were his giftings. Nehemiah was called for this moment because his giftings and leadership and his tenacity and his drive. He didn't have to be anything else. He wasn't a great spiritual leader. He wasn't a, a great speaker. He wasn't anything like that. He was made for the purpose he was given. I got to tell you, I've had the pleasure. In my life, ever since I met my wife in high school, to see this lived out. Some of you know my mother in law, Kelly, passed away on January 5th after a five year battle with cancer. And she modeled this through her life of ups. And downs, She showed what it's like to stay on her ladder. And early on, when divorce came and the financial ruins that came with that divorce, she stayed on her ladder. In fact, early on in our marriage, she had 20 young women, young wives and moms in her house every week mentoring through the struggles that they were facing while she was going through her own pain. And as she suffered the loss of her own prodigal son, as he walked away from the family and the hurt and the devastation that came with that for a mother, she stayed on her ladder and continued to use her giftings and her tools to live out her purpose. And when cancer came and all the fear and frustration and discouragement that could possibly come with that moment, she stayed on her ladder. A year and a half ago when she pulled into Kansas and moved into town, the first thing she did was get out her ladder, pick it up, and start using her tools to live a life Full of purpose for the restoration of his kingdom. In fact, in the last few months, she started a woman's Bible study at her house and a life group at her house. As her life was slipping away, she stayed on her ladder. I'm doing a good work here. Why should I come down for you? Make no mistake, like Kelly, every one of you in here has been called to a great purpose. You've been called to the work of restoration in God's kingdom. Every one of you. Some of us, though, we've we've. We've been off the ladder for a while. We have stepped down because the opposition became too great or things in our own life just, I don't know. We wanted what we wanted for a while. Whatever the purpose is, we have stepped off and that work has stopped. It's time to get back up. It's time to stand back On your ladder, and some of you in here, you didn't even know you had a ladder. You didn't even know you had a purpose. You've never met Jesus before, so we're not going to let this moment go by right now without giving an invitation. Because I promise you, no matter what's going on, if you don't know him, but you can feel him calling you right now, pulling, him toward, pulling you towards him, you will never regret a life lived under his purpose and the restoration of his kingdom. Because I promise you right now, Kelly is in glory right now. She lived a life well full of purpose and i bet i guarantee you she doesn't regret a day of it so we're going to pray right now if you guys can bow your heads close your eyes repeat after me so no one has to say this by themselves if everyone can lord i believe that jesus christ is the Savior of the world that He gave His life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life? I receive Your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you amen and if you can please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed i'm just i just need to know how many of you said that prayer for the first time or said that prayer in rededication please raise your hands thank you thank you all right you can raise your heads now so what now What do we do now? How do we stay on our ladder when all of life and all the opposition that it brings is coming for us? How do we stay on our ladder when fear and discouragement and frustration come for us? Well, probably our family's favorite band right now. The band that gets played the most in our house and in our vehicles as we're driving is a band called Gable Price and Friends. And they have a song called Brother Jack, and it's, it's just that. It's a song that the lead singer wrote for his brother to stay on course, to stay the path, to, to keep moving forward even when life gets hard. And one of the lines in there is keep your hand to the heavens while the other's in the hornet's nest. And I love that imagery. I love that imagery because no matter what is going on, no matter how bad it gets down here, we have to have our hands up. We have to be connected to Jesus. We have to have our eyes on him and nothing, nothing that happens down here can pull us off our ladder with our hands pointed to heaven. Amen. Tyler Stanton, he's a pastor and author, says this, when you spend time with Jesus, he invites you to go with him where he is going. In other words, when you have relational intimacy, relational intimacy, when you're close to him, you will share in his heart and his mission. The best way to do that, Kent, Kent had it last week, is the first fifteen protocol. First first fifteen minutes of your day. Five minutes in the word, five in worship, five in prayer. And why I love this, it is so simple, but what it does each and every morning is it decentralizes you. And what I mean by that is it takes you out of the center of the universe. And it moves the center of the universe, the center of your world to Jesus. Right where it needs to be because the only way we can stay on our ladder, the only way we can keep doing what we're doing is when he is the center of our universe and the center of our world. Our eyes have to be on him and his heart. And next, I have a few friends that are coming to come up and help me with this. But one of the great things that Nehemiah did, when the opposition came and when they brought fear and they threatened to start attacking the builders of the wall, Jeffrey, be my builder of the wall, please. Jeffrey's up there. Enemy goes, we're going to attack the builders. That's what we're going to do. We're going to come after the people that are doing the restoration of God's kingdom right now. Nehemiah heard this, Nehemiah found out their plans, and the first thing he did, if you guys can get in position, is brought other people in and surrounded the builders and protected them. So no matter what happens in this case, no matter what the opposition brings, no matter what happens in life, our builder's protected. Our builder can stay up on that ladder and know that others have his back. They're there to protect him. Thank you, guys. And we believe in this. We believe in this here. We, we push this with our life groups. Right now, we're in the middle of a life group push. And let me tell you, the last few months, actually years of us walking this path, with Kelly and everything else, some of you know everything else that life has thrown at us and all the opposition that has come. We have had a ring of people around us making sure we could stay up on our ladder. Through their love and support, just being there so we can debrief and talk through things and share all of our junk. If you're not in a life group now, I would ask you, I would beg you for your own, own, own relationship with Jesus, get in one. Like I said, we're putting them together this week. Don't miss out on this. And I got to tell you, there's some of you out there that are saying, I don't need people. It's just me and Jesus and we're fine. We don't need any. I don't need anyone else around me. I don't need to share my junk. I don't have any junk. Bull crap. And let me one-up that and let me push on you a little bit. You're selfish. Because you may feel like you don't need anyone to stand around your ladder, but people need you. And you are robbing them of your support and your help and the things that you can bring to the table to make sure they stay on their ladder and make sure life doesn't get too hard for them. So please, get in a life group. Right now I'm gonna ask Pastor Kent to come up. He's gonna close this. So I'm gonna leave with one thing. This is the bottom line. If you take one thing from this, This is what you take. Opposition will come, but a life on the ladder, one dedicated to restoration, the restoration of his kingdom, is a life worth living. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you, Pastor Nate, this morning for your words. Two things I was thinking of that is please don't send Pastor Nate any emails for anything that he says up here. I want to be his part of his surrounding team. So you can send him to me. I can take it. We want to. We want to support one another. I'll, I'm just kind of joking a little bit. I did imagine before that. Anybody else imagine Nate seven feet tall? I mean, just for a minute, you just thought of him being that tall. We can all stand tall when we have people around us. And Pastor Nate's been talking about. A support group and groups and life groups and, and people to support. We all need that. I, I wrote this in my notes in the second service. I had different notes from second service versus first service, but the enemy's plan is to discourage us, frustrate us, and cause us to have fear, to cause us to back away from He wants what He wants to do in our life. And the way that we're supported in that, and the way that we're is just the opposite of that. We need people to encourage us. Can I be honest for a moment? We all have things that discourage us. I had something in first service, well-intended, good people or good person uh, is a word of discouragement. And it's just they can come at the times when you're not expecting it, but we need people around us. We need the body of Christ. We need other believers that are encouraging us because there's plenty of discouragement to go around in this world. There's plenty of words and things to bring us down. We need people around us to encourage us. We, we need people that, um, instead of frustrating us, are there to come alongside and help you and, and to say, hey, I know you need help. It's obvious you need help, but instead of frustrating, let me come alongside you. Let me encourage you. Let me help you. And then finally, we need people to build up our faith, to encourage us in our faith, encourage us in our walk with him. So don't let anyone or anything bring you off your ladder. God wants you to be on on the ladder on fulfilling his purpose each of you has a purpose but we need people around us to help us discover that purpose to fulfill that purpose to be encouraged in that purpose so i want to encourage you as pastor nate we want to encourage you to get in a a life group sometimes some of you it's a big step Um, but I encourage you that you can trust Pastor Nate. He's like a matchmaker. He looks, he doesn't just throw you in some group. He looks for people that would be good fits and good connections, similar life stages, and so I encourage you, fill out in your uh, connection card, check the life group uh, box or growth group, and we want to help you get in there. Maybe that's a big step. Maybe it's a big step for you this morning. Uh, Maybe you're newer here, and so you just, we want to, we're a church of next steps. Uh, I want to encourage you to to our next, uh, our connect new new. People connection lunch. Our connection lunch—a chance to kind of meet our pastors and kind of get to know our church. Not a membership class. Uh, that's February fifth. So if you're new in the last three or four months, I encourage you to fill out your connection card and and sign up for that. And then finally, if you made that great decision to say yes today to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you as well as our guests to go to our connection table, our welcome table. And uh, we have a gift for you. We have a new believer's Bible. We want to help you in your journey. 34 days of what to, to read, the next 34 days to keep you on that journey. So would you stand with me this morning? Thank you again, Pastor Nate. And let me encourage you. God is doing a good work in you. God is doing a good work in us. Let's not come down off the ladder. Let's keep doing the good work that God has called us to do. Heavenly Father... I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. Lord, I pray anybody right now that is discouraged in their spirit, Lord, you would encourage them. You would strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that you would help someone that's maybe timid, um, that's been sitting on the sidelines, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, to find a community to share in the the life and their faith and to be mutually encouraged and to lift one another up. And, Lord... I just thank you for what you're going to do in and through us this year. I believe you're restoring us. I believe, God, you're going to restore marriages this year. God, I believe that you're going to restore lives this year. God, I believe you're going to bring new and restoration to things in our church. You're going to make things new in us. So, Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing, all that you've done, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. And God's people said, amen. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next Sunday.